rites and rituals have been passed down to us from our ancestors as anchors to our belonging to the community they are also dynamic in that they keep changing according to the circumstances time and space they are dynamic and they keep us dynamic we keep changing around them they shape us our, our search for identity and significance both identity formation and our belonging to our community as we keep journeying as an individual in the pursuit of truth and in search of our identity our customs rites and rituals keep shifting too when one shifts their allegiance to bhagwan muktinath the ishwa our socialization also makes shifts and we start judging good or bad right or wrong spiritual non spiritual sita from that lens the question then arises how to deal with the shift how have the faithful or bhaktas who put their allegiance or bhakti to bhagwan muktinath navigated their past and all the rites and rituals how have they dealt with their identity in what ways their bhakti to muktinath and the identity obtained over a period of time changed or transformed should one leave earlier rituals and adopt the new one how do we reconcile with the new identity as a bhakta muktinath with our immediate and extended family or community and the new relationship that we have obtained over a period both traditions and rituals are an essential part of our existence as an individual and as a part of this universe in today's episode we will explore these complex realities we all deal every day to discuss these subjects and issues we have an eminent panel of guests from various walks of our lives and experiences they will not only share the theoretical framework but they will also bring their experiences experiences as they have navigated their own lives in course of time let us welcome our panel a uh, guest of panel today we have dr hl richards who hails from california he is today he'll be speaking us from pasadena dr richards is a missiologist a theologian and the one who has lived in south asia particularly in india and nepal over four decades he has two children who grew up in india and they both are married and they one of them have the children as well welcome dr richard in our conversation today we have ms geeta mandol ms geeta mandol lives in delhi with a husband and two children the person who with a lot of compassion the person who has navigated her life from her walks and as uh, found muktinath her bhagwan where she shifted her allegiance and how she has shifted her life how she has uh, uh, navigated these changes not only in her individual life but also her immediate and extended families she is lovely boss and lovely colleague and wonderful friend 
will be speaking us to us today from New Delhi. My third guest is Dr. Shantanu Datta. Dr. Shantanu Datta has been a follower of Bhagavan Muktinath, a heretical Hindu, for over four decades. My profession is a doctor, by education is a doctor. By profession, he has many hats, a human rights worker, a passionate speaker on various subjects, a writer, and known for things he does that is never done before. So he's a trendsetter. Many of us know him very well. He lives in Delhi with his wife Evangeline Datta and daughter Aruna Datta, who is a lawyer now. So your opening thought, and for opening thought, everyone will take one and a half minutes. Um, thank you. One, I'm not Miss, I'm Mrs. Uh, second, uh, I pronounce my last name as Mandal. Uh, the importance of rites and rituals in my personal life has been that creates a sense of belonging. And it has also been a lot of friction coming from a Hindu family and becoming a Christian. It has also been a source of a lot of pain when you have rejected a particular ritual. Uh, so that that has uh, significance for me. And um, that is one of the reasons why I'm not willing to let go of every ritual, whether, whether uh, you know, when you, you join the Christian community, there are lots of things that they say, reject your past completely. So I am not in favor of that. And I believe very strongly that rites and rituals are important. Some that go against the word of God need to be resisted. But there are lots that that create a sense of familiar and uh, in, in extended families. I come from an extended family. So that is so important with, because it ties one to the other. And uh, it, it creates a sense of oneness. You know, in my family, it's always been like this, you know, uh, you touch one and you touch all. So don't, it's, it's like, you know, getting uh, entangled with my family is like touching a beehive. So uh, you, you don't uh, tangle with anybody. Of course, coming from a Punjabi background, that uh, assertiveness or aggression, as some would say, is part of it. But I think rituals are a very important part of everybody's life. And they have been a very important part of my life. Thank you, ma'am. I think you uh, brought quite an interesting points, and I uh, that you and you said that you have not, you have never let go any of uh, of these rituals. Uh, we'll come back on some of these points that you have re, uh, you have brought in your conversation, and we'll uh, 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 deal with these. Let me go to Doctor uh, Shantanu Datta. Doctor Datta, uh, my again, uh, I come back to come to you for your opening remarks on the subject. And how uh, uh, significant the rites and rituals are in your life, and how have you navigated your uh, life thus far? Well, I would echo what Gita has said about uh, rites and rituals give it, giving us a sense of belonging. And uh, I think uh, we uh, in the Christian uh, community we give it, we load it with a lot of ritual and religious baggage, which rituals and rites normally don't have. At least they don't have in all contexts. Now, I come from a liberal Hindu family where uh, rites and rituals were more of uh, get-togethers. They were, they were uh, my family is not typically an observant Hindu family where uh, they're concerned too much about pujas and all that. If at all, 
Puja has any significance in Bengal, where I come from, Durga Puja is the main uh, festival. Uh, there may be a handful of people who are there in it for the actual religious element of it. But 95% or maybe even more are there because it brings together people from different parts of the country. That's the time it's like Christmas. People come together, they laugh, they eat, they have fun. And uh, yeah, the center of it is an idol of Durga. But uh, that has very limited significance uh, for most people, at least in uh, my circle of uh, friends. Uh, but yes, when I uh, came to follow Jesus Christ, uh, I was told uh, but, uh, uh, that one should give all this up, but I didn't. And I believe that one should figure out one's own theology in life within reason. And uh, not just go by what A says or B says and C says. And as I've navigated around, I've heard all kinds of uh, thoughts being expressed. And uh, way back in the 80s, people were very uh, clear that if you uh, follow uh, Jesus Christ, then you uh, give up all your existing practices, which I did not. I remember when my father died and I was a serving here was office. I shaved my head and all that stuff. I went and uh, uh, immersed his ashes in the Kanga and all that. And uh, maybe a few people would have liked to object, but by that time I already had a reputation that I wouldn't. I didn't really care. So, uh, so not too many people spoke. But yes, uh, I think uh, even then, unconsciously, I did give up something. That is a loss. Thank you, Dr. Rathar, uh, 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 this uh, so uh, important that everyone has to figure out and you uh, uh, you ensure that you continue to carry uh, your uh, legacy that you uh, Let me move to Dr. Richard, uh, uh, Dr. Rachel Richard. Well, my take on it was uh, initially very much the traditional Protestant Christian take because that's how I grew up in uh, fairly low liturgy, low ritual church tradition, but came to living faith in uh, what would be considered an anti-ritual tradition, anti-liturgy. Uh, and so coming into India, uh, I had that bias and that was not easy to overcome. It was by listening to uh, these kinds of stories that started questioning what what is this and uh, how, how should we respond? And, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to listen, I tried to learn. I think for me, the broadest perspective was the, uh, was the, the thing that really opened up the change. And that is honor your father and mother is in the, in the 10 commandments and, uh, honoring father and mother is not about biological mother and father. In the Protestant tradition, that was always expanded out to honoring all uh, authorities that have rightful place over you. So the, the the Reformation creeds all talk about honoring civil authorities and honoring spiritual authorities as part of the meaning of honor father and mother. Uh, somehow they never translated that over to broader family issues. Obviously, honor father and mother means honor grandparents, 
And it, in the pattern that our Lord gives in the Sermon on the Mount of stretching out the meaning, do not murder includes seek reconciliation and, and, and condemns anger, internalizing and expanding and positivizing. Honor father and mother has to mean honor your heritage, honor your cultural tradition, honor your familiar traditions. And, and so... Uh, it, it's the great failing, I would say, of Protestant missions. We have trampled on our own Ten Commandments by teaching people really to despise. It's not enough to stop practicing Hindu rituals. You have to learn to speak against Hindu rituals. And at that point, we're in active violation of the Ten Commandments, where we're to, we're to honor and respect even things that we don't agree with, because we're to honor and respect father and mother. So... Uh, I, I would not consider this a neutral discussion, should we or shouldn't we. This, this is an imperative. If you have to honor Durga Puja, if, if that is your family heritage, that doesn't mean you go all the way in with all of the idolatry and all of the superstition and all of these things, but it does mean you have to actively honor that heritage, and, and you can't avoid it, and you certainly cannot condemn it. So in that perspective, to me is how we have to uh, view all of these things and and why you have to practice the uh, ritual traditions. Uh, so, so, Dr. Richard, I'm just uh, 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 in, uh, not to stop you because I think you're talking quite in, uh, interesting issues. But let me ask you a question. When you say that you uh, certainly honor uh, and go to Durga Puja and do all of that, and you say that's uh, not to get into the idolatry. How can you do that without uh, getting into the idolatry and, and yet doing the Durga Puja and stuff like that? Well, what is idolatry? Idolatry is, is really of the heart. It's not of the uh, ritual. And so if, if someone, uh, a, a young Hindu comes and says, my heart just goes out to Durga or to Krishna or to Ram or to anyone, then that is a dangerous place for them, that uh, their, their, their heart cannot be going out to uh, another deity. But if, if their heart is truly conquered by uh, Lord Jesus, by Muktinath, then uh, that, I don't find that as a problem with, with most, most people who, who, who come to uh, Christ, most people who surrender to Muktinath. They don't have that kind of inner struggle. Should I really be following Jesus, should I be following this other guru, this other deity? That, that, that issue is done. It's a matter of how do I live out my discipleship to uh, Muktinath. And you, you have to live out that discipleship within the Hindu family, within the Hindu context. And you're, if, if your heart is not engaged in, in these things, then it is not idolatry. Um, there are, I mean, there are so many rituals in the family, you know. Um, as a Punjabi, there is there any any good thing that uh, happens? You know, you have the ardas, where all the uh, elderly, uh, not elderly, most of the males stand up and they do the ardas. They basically say some um, some verses, and then everybody you know finishes off with a verse. Um, it it holds a sense of respect, and I know that even at my wedding, even though uh, I had a Christian wedding. It was very important for my family to have the ardas before they started doing anything. And uh, 
I found it honoring to me that they felt it was an important enough event. Unlike Raksha Bandhan, I, we still have a lot of struggle among a few of our relatives about the Raksha Bandhan because I, I believe very strongly in it. Uh, I have very good memories about it. I, I miss my brother whom I can't tie Raki to because he's no longer alive. And it is, it is a bond that I have with my brother and now with my nephews and my nieces and my sister-in-law. And the, the ritual of touching feet. I, I find it so honoring to uh, touch the feet of my elders. Or, you know, when somebody touches my feet, I mean, you, you can't curse a person who touches your feet. It just won't come out of your mouth. So it's, it's a blessing and you deprive yourself of a blessing just because you don't agree with it. So for me, rituals are very inherent part of my life. There are certain things that I, when I talk to my family and I say, Ki, you know, my conscience does not allow me. My family has honored that and have asked me not to do anything my conscience does not allow me to do. But there have been very few instances like that and I have said it and they have agreed with it. And one of them was when my um, brother was getting married and all the family members had to go for puja. And I said, uh, I, I will not do the aarti, but I'll stand there. So it was painful for them. But I think for me, I found the graciousness that I see among Hindu families. Sometimes I see that missing in, in the community that I'm now part of, which is the Christian community, that grace that they extend to others. And uh, for me, I also want to say that tradition is something that has been going along generations. And like my father told me, he says, you have rejected everything that you were good, was good enough for your ancestors. So I think that we have to remember one of these things that um, rituals are so inherent to us. They are part of us that when we remove that, it tears a piece of us out, which cannot be replaced. And how do you do that today? You know, when I, uh, way back in the 80s, when I was uh, coming to know Jesus Christ, my parents were not concerned about uh, the theology that I was going to adopt because they were not anyway practicing Hindus. Their concern was, am I going to now, you know, uh, 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 drop everything that they were familiar with and become a different person in terms of uh, how I would address them. All the touching of feet, the thing that time I remember people said, you know, when you touch somebody's feet, you are touching the God name and all that. Uh, so they were really concerned, are you going to dissolve the, the practices that we have had? as a family, which don't have spiritual motives per se, uh, and become a, a different kind of person. And there's a certain history to it, you know, when William Carey came way back then, the people who got converted to uh, uh, Jesus that time in Bengal, unlike many other parts of the country, were the elite. Uh, the elite of Bengal became Christians so that they could uh, uh, they could eat beef, they could mingle with the opposite gender, they could uh, you know, do all kinds of things that the uh, very conservative uh, Hindu milieu of the time did not permit them. Uh, you could not drink, but as a Christian you were allowed to drink. You could not eat meat and beef, but as a Christian you were allowed to do that. You could, you could not dance, but as a Christian you were okay to dance. So it was the elite of Bengal who felt 
who had been exposed to those things and they suddenly they changed their names we had a lot of rituals uh, you know uh, at various times of course durga puja is the main one but there were small small rituals right through the time a child is born uh, you know his uh, namkaran uh, the day the name is given there is a ritual the day the first time the child takes rice there is a ritual uh, then saraswati puja which is uh, around vasant uh, panchami in the hindu calendar usually uh, the first time uh, the child is uh, you know uh, given a slate and a chalk and he writes something symbolically to start the uh, process of the educational journey in uh, the holi in bengal is very different from the north indian holi we just put a pinch of dry uh, color on our elders feet and take their blessings and uh, similarly diwali is very different we have kali puja that time which is of course uh, entirely religious uh, not like diwali uh, i remember uh, at a very young age when i had a very difficult i gave my parents a very difficult time my mother fasting on ekadashi you know uh, she was not my parents were not the religious type but there came a time when uh, you know my parents had exhausted all logical options and then as it happens Uh, you try out in every anything and everything that somebody suggests so i remember my mother fasting on ekadashi for uh, some years and so and i and i uh, also think that i would not have survived in my early days as a even now i think as a christian if it were not for the grace extended to me by my christian my hindu uh, family and friends who, you know many years uh, after many years gap i started interacting with my cousins and my nephews and nieces and uh, they were as accommodating and as warm and uh, as uh, as ever as if nothing had happened and i think that uh, uh, that grace as kita mentioned this uh, something that we don't necessarily find in it i won't say you don't find things are changing in even among uh, the community of believers but Dr. richard i am I, i i would like to come to you with uh, one question is also from the audience uh but you also along with that you also need to address that all these rituals and rites that we see only among hindus or the people those who come or you have also have some christian rituals as well but uh just upon that but then there is there is a question if you just open the question answer window there is a question uh from john uh, uh john amalraj why do some first generation believers knowing the dark spiritual influences of some of the rituals and ceremonies choose to reject rather than accommodate how can we recognize the dark forces and be able to discern spiritually as we follow christ okay richard good you respond um i mean i i think uh the main response is that uh we we christians come into these things with our own imagination we don't have any valid experience we don't have any valid understanding and so we are imagining and uh there there are obviously dark forces uh everywhere in the world there are dark forces in christianity there are dark forces in churches even in some of our bible believing churches there there are dark forces because we have not escaped all sin by becoming disciples of muktinath so certainly there are dark forces 
involved in some Hindu families and Hindu traditions. But we tend to exaggerate that far, far more than the reality. And uh, listening to Hindus as we're doing uh, here uh, should help us Christians to, to change our thinking. Okay, maybe I am seeing darkness where, where there is not, uh, is not darkness. Uh, and uh, even, even where there is what we might call darkness in terms of uh, a measure of oppression, uh, oppression towards women, obviously, is one place that we find in, in civilizations all over the world. How do we deal with oppression towards women? Uh, you, you can try to up front fight that, or you can try to undermine that. And uh, it, 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 in, the, uh, in the New Testament, the, the dark force of slavery was clearly everywhere. So many of the early followers of Muktinat were themselves slaves. But there's no uh, teaching against that. There's no fighting of that. There's a total undermining of that by a different teaching, a different lifestyle, a different practice, a different understanding, and, and a transformative change that uh, comes into a community where those new values are, are, are demonstrated. And so I think uh, that, that is uh, a, a more biblical, a more healthy way to uh, approach these things. We, we tend to approach with fear and uh, a fear of compromise. What if I compromise? What if I compromise? I, I, I'm not supposed to compromise. But uh, th th there's much more grace, as already indicated, coming from the, the Hindu family. Are we to be people of grace or are we to be people of fear? And, and so uh, I, I think we need a fundamental attitude check as uh, traditional Christians, as we listen in on this conversation, as we engage on these kinds of issues, that we not engage with, with fear, uh, that, that we listen to uh, our, our Hindu friends, people from Hindu families, and recognize th these are not demonic events. Touching the feet of an elder is not an act of worship. Even among Hindus, it's not an act of worship let alone for a, a disciple of Christ to be doing that. It is not an act of worship. So our own fears and imaginations, I think, are are uh, our biggest problems in as we address these things. Richard, I'd like to have a further uh, response on the Aren't there these rituals and rites that are saying only uh, in the context of uh, Hindu or in India? Or do you see a church, a Christian have traditions, rituals, rites, which they don't recognize or they need to be recognized by? Yeah, of course. Uh, ritual in many ways is just an expansion of habits. And, and no one can live without habits. We just develop our ways that we do things. And uh, into the realm of spirituality and worship, we develop habits. And uh, again, I, I, I came to faith in an anti liturgy anti-ritual tradition you you develop your habits oh this is how we do things we stand up when we sing this song we stand up when we pray this prayer we sit down when we do this those are rituals and uh it, it's one of the interesting things with with hindus when a hindu goes to a a, a, a protestant church they think that what is going on has to be from some sacred text 
because we always talk about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And, and it, it takes uh, many, many years for them to figure out that pretty much nothing that happens in, in a church service has anything to do with the Bible. Bible doesn't tell you when to meet, how long to meet, where and how to sit, when to stand up, whether to stand up and uh, give the message or whether you sit down in the more Hindu uh, guru style to give the message. None of that, none of that matters in the Bible. None of that turns up. That is all part of our, our ritual, our tradition. And of course, we have the uh, different Protestant traditions, the Anglican and the Lutheran, which are more ritualistic, we would say, more liturgical. And then the, uh, the less liturgical, those who claim they, they don't have any ritual, we're against ritual, we're against liturgy, but you only have to attend a few times and you start to see the patterns. Oh, they have this pattern. This is how they do things. This is how they think about things. That is ritual. Uh, it, it's just a, a matter of terminology and a matter of lack of self-reflection on the part of Christians to think that we don't have any rituals. Doctor, uh, uh, Dr. Richard, Dr. Richard, there's a, also a question, uh, and uh, no, I'll, I'll go to Dr. Shantanu Datta. Dr. Datta, uh, would you like to expand a little understanding of this tradition, rites, and rituals? Are the same or are they different? The traditions have a sanctity of their own, and traditions are harder to throw off because they have become part of your uh, collective consciousness. Uh, rituals and rites may be easier to throw off. No, we, we can go church hopping because we are not attached. A Protestant can move from one congregation or one denomination to another because there is no attachment to the ritual. But for a Catholic to move to a Protestant church is a huge shift. It's almost as good as converting to another faith. Because the Catholic ritual is, is you know, so old, you know, 2,000 years old. Effectively, it has evolved for that long. So traditions are harder to shake off. And I think when you shake off a tradition, it leaves a scar in your soul. Rites and rituals may not uh, generally because they are not that ingrained in your spirit. You can shake it off and move if you are opportunistic enough to something that is more conducive to you at that point of time. But shaking off a tradition will leave a scar in your spirit. Whether it shows itself today or whether it shows itself decades from now, someday it will show up. Uh, Ms. Gita, when you started following uh, Christ, what are the, some of the traditions, rites and other rituals that you had to say goodbye or, and you had to adopt and, and uh, if you can recall some of them and why? A difficult question because um, it will hurt some people. Um, this, this is a conversation, so we try to learn together. Um, when I became a Christian, um, I, I call myself, I, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not a follower of Christianity. Okay. So, uh, please, please differentiate with these two. I am not a follower of a set of rules. Okay. I'm a follower of a person, Jesus Christ, of the God, Jesus Christ, and his life on earth that showed me the way of how I should live. And that is what matters today. Nothing else matters. And, and especially coming from a Hindu background, after you've questioned your parents, questioning anybody else in the church is not an issue. Because uh, you, have, you have fought with the, the biggest battle, I think. 
but i think what i really missed was that when i became a christian for the most part people who talked to me everybody talked about turning my back to my family and even now sometimes i i see people say she is like this because she comes from a background tends tends to but i i find that like my dad you know um, i he calls himself a seeker still but uh, he says he tells me he says geeta you're a true kshatriya because you, what you believed in you fought for it but i think there is a level of um, insecurity among people who call themselves believers sometimes because they tend to think of it in terms of if we do that then um, you know then this is wrong and you're kind of uh, like uh, mr richard said no fear i'll give you a very good example um i was in um, in kanpur that's where my hometown is uh, and i was there for my confinement i was expecting my second child and um, i had some believers who came in to visit me just to talk to me because i was staying in a hindu home so um, to encourage me and then uh, they were just talking ki it is you know we are looking for a place for bible study and you know we we can't find a place it is in this area so my father turned around and uh, said i will give you a room in my house and after your bible study is over i will also provide the tea and snacks that's required this is the best i can do i mean i can only provide you my house to have the bible study so you can have it here and they said no because it's a hindu home we can't have bible study there and it was a chance for my father to make a mockery of the christian faith and say i as a hindu can get into your church and pray to my god but you don't have the guts to sit even in a hindu house and pray to your god and that is what i i it was a startling moment for the what i thought was correct and so when i turn around and i i i miss uh i miss the graciousness i a lot of times even now people say you know your children should not be tying rakhi the bhaiduj tika they should not be doing um they uh, of course i should not be visiting my family very often because that hindu influence will kind of color me up again and draw me back to hinduism and so it's it's not just the fact of following rituals it's the fact of you know break every connection that you have with them and that is they forget my family is part of me and i am part of my family and it was not out of god's control that i was born in that family and um i when i became a christian about a year and a half after that i had to uh, leave my home and uh, be so called underground for about 5 years with the rift between me and my family for about 5 years when i i didn't see my parents and my parents didn't see me for 5 years the trauma that they went through with a daughter that was missing and i went through what's called post traumatic stress disorder because i had to deal with it like the death of my whole family in one go so sometimes i think the we are very good as christians to evangelize but we are not that good in in having a theology or a sense of undergirding or a sense of sifting through what what do we really i mean why are you tearing 
families apart so that is i think uh, i i miss i miss basically when to put it in simple word i miss the graciousness that my family has exhibited my father who said that even my dead body will not enter a church entered a church to give me away in a christian ceremony seeing his daughter wearing white so that is what there gina uh, uh, one of the attendees is uh, sujit nair and he has put a question for you yeah uh, his question is that you said about uh, the uh, the puja during uh, your brother's uh, uh, marriage and he his question is uh, as a follower of muktinath how uh, what does it mean when you do not do but you still stand there and how do you do that what does it mean and what does it convey basically it for me i will not bow down my head before an idol there there is the the idols of lakshmi ganesh during diwali or whatever but i am part of the family and it's a family tradition that everybody is there unless you are dead so i will stand with my family i identify with with my family i am part of my family and that is why i stand there and and sujit is saying because sujit also uh, is saying that he does have a similar challenge because he himself uh, uh, is from a other background where he follows uh, mukhida uh, dr richard uh, let me come to you I'll take this question as well uh, deuteronomy 18 and 9 says when you enter the in uh, the land the lord your god is giving you do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of nations day so when somebody comes uh, uh start following the yeshua how to how to deal with the uh, this heritage and what uh, deuteronomy 189 says i think again i'm listening to this uh, discussion is is reinforcing in me again that we need to really start with the big picture uh, and the big picture we have to say uh we're we're in a tragic situation where we have this communal divide and and anything associated with jesus is associated with christianity which is a foreign religion and uh i learned to to say in my first uh, years in india christianity is not a foreign religion but that's that's not true christianity as practiced in india is a foreign religion and that is the fundamental offense that hindus have to this foreign religion and and you have this fear in parents and anyone who knows uh geeta ji's story in her wider relational network of relatives and friends and everyone they all have this fear we don't want anyone else to do what she did and and pretty much every hindu in 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 the world has that sense of fear that if christians get into someone's life they are going to uh make massive problems for everyone they're going to bring great pain and great shame on any hindu family and uh meanwhile christians have this great fear again we can't even have a bible study in a hindu house that 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 that's not appropriate uh we have to at the biggest picture break down that antagonism every one of us listening to this call that that is part of our calling and our life is to break that down we need to learn to listen to hindus and understand hindus empathize with hindus 
and and to deal with our own fears and our own anxieties and have a more positive approach uh, uh, we, we need to be pro Hindu what why should we be anti-hindu again this comes to the meaning of what Hindu Hindu means but Hindu is all-encompassing Hindu has to do with uh, societal values not just uh, spiritual practices and uh, many of the spiritual practices of Hindus themselves are not actually uh, problematic they may be pointing to in, in, a, in a in a wrong direction but the practices themselves are fine so so that broad antagonism to me is is a fundamental problem and the verse from from Deuteronomy I think doesn't have any application that that is not our situation we're not the the chosen nation that is has to be protective and standoffish we're we're uh the the uh, the, the story of Muktidat touching the leper and the leper becomes clean we make things clean because of the transformation that God has has wrought in our lives. Things don't make us uh, ritually unclean. We make things clean. And uh, that more positive approach to me is uh, is everywhere in the New Testament. And, and the fearfulness, the I dare not compromise by, by thinking in those terms, we are failing in the ultimate command, which is love. We're to love Hindus, we're to embrace Hindus, we're to enjoy Hindus, we're not to fear Hindus. And if we have this fear, we have this reservation, I better not go near that temple. That That is not a, a, a biblical way to think or to live. So that big picture of antagonism, and then the whole thing that if you become a follower of Jesus, you have to learn a whole new ritual system, and you're done with that completely with that previous ritual system. That is uh, absolutely destructive to, uh, to biblical faith. Biblical faith is incarnational. It is not standoffish. It is not come out and be separate. It is not the uh, the core message of the uh, of the New Testament. So these big picture issues to me are are uh, are what leads down to the the problems in families that we're hearing about from our other friends here. Uh, so you have to be very discerning as as you uh, as you look at the Old Testament, uh, and there's a fundamental change of attitude. In the Old Testament, there is very clearly this uh, stay separate from the Gentiles, stay separate from those other people uh, in, into the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, even breaking of marriages, which is explicitly overruled by the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 7. You do not break a marriage with an unbeliever. If they want to break it, you can't try to force it. But you do not break that marriage, which in, in Ezra, he broke the marriages. So it, it's a very uh, significant change of attitude between Old Testament and New Testament on some of these things. Let me go to Dr. Shantan Datta. Dr. Datta, uh, if rites and rituals are key to belongingness, then how they and what they impact when we refuse to be part of them? And what would you suggest? Uh, people now, so as you have done it. As we have been discussing right through this conversation, rights and rituals are all about belonging. And we have generally speaking talked about, you know, what it means to leave individuals and be packed. 
but i would say also that there is a challenge for people from other faiths who are coming to know jesus assimilating christian rites and rituals now i have uh, had several experience to show that not only you have to be a follower of jesus but to be accepted in a particular church you might be worshiping in you have to be a particular kind of follower of jesus if you if you are coming from a from a different trajectory with slightly different thinking you may not be very well accepted you know uh, there is no excommunication uh, culture in the protestant church uh, because there are so many churches uh, you can just walk into the next one but fundamentally you there is uh, as has been pointed out uh, by dr richards you know protestant churches or evangelical churches or whatever you might call them uh, they have their own rites and rituals which evolve very quickly the pattern of uh, how you worship when you stand when you sit when you bow when you give the offering whether it is in the beginning of the service or the end of the service whether it is in a plate or whether it is in a bag uh, uh, everything is uh, ultimately boils down to a ritual and uh, if you want to belong then you have to fit into you have not only got to leave a certain kind of ritual you have to also assimilate into the kind of ritual of uh, the congregation that you are becoming part of otherwise you will uh, be like a step child and uh, who is uh, half half in but not fully in and i have uh, had experience to illustrate that especially in uh, difficult situations of life when you need it the support of the church it may not be available because you are not really quite your kind their kind of person so uh so i think uh, you know we should spend uh, some time talking about not just living the, the hindu way uh, but also how you can absorb the uh, christian way so that is not all easy idea either you know there is no one uniform christian way and depending on the ship you find yourself in at the time of your journey when you have uh, followed moktina if you are not comfortable with that uh, set of pattern of worship uh, and you have your own pattern or your own preferences you have to kill those preferences also and uh, accommodate yourself otherwise you will be uh, you know uh, like a northern child you know, who is uh, who own the church is very quick, quick to evangelize and baptize but not enough to give its share its blessings and i think uh, that is a longer pain because you have what you have left you have left what you have come to join also you are not able to really be fully part of so, so how how would you deal with uh, any example that kind of event that you experience where uh, you thought that the, the church would have been in a more gracious or you even left the situation where you figured out that you shouldn't have left your heritage did you deal any of these things uh, uh so my mother died last year and uh, she came to you know mukinath in a in a very you know maybe the last couple of years of her life when she was bedridden she could hardly speak much she could not articulate her faith and uh, if i am not a particular kind of believer she was even less of a predictor for that kind of a believer because she was uh, she spoke only bengali uh, i and uh, you know all around us are people who speak english or hindi 
probably English more than Hindi. And here's a Bengali speaking elderly woman who reads her Bible in Bengali and uh, doesn't go to church, isn't baptized, bedridden, can, can barely speak uh, uh, what you quote unquote testimony. If you ask her to give quote unquote testimony, which is a, a testimony itself, by the way, is a classic ritual. If you don't have a testimony, you're not even a Christian sometimes. You're not a follower, bona fide. So I'm surprised nobody has talked about testimony. Testimony is in some, many circles, uh, more than baptism even. Okay, many people will say, hey, yeah, baptism can wait. You know, but if you don't have a testimony, you're not a follower. And if you cannot articulate testimony in a certain vocabulary, then you're even worse than uh, not being, a, you're a nominal uh, follower. So giving, being able to give your testimony uh, and these sort of things are great rituals. And if somebody is not able to perform those rituals, then uh, you may not be able to expect much support from uh, the conventional uh, church because they are used to being uh, exposed to people who can give a testimony, who come to church every Sunday or who give some other uh, conventionally acceptable evidence of being a follower. If you're not able to provide any of those evidences, uh, then uh, you're not really considered one. And if, even if that is not so said so explicitly, it is made implicit in some other way. Uh, how do we, so, so I, I'm coming with this question to Gita. And also the question that is uh, 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 in comment is being put by Jason Abraham, rights are, in, rights are infused with the meaning whether one acknowledges or not. So how do does how does uh, one deal with this aspects of rights? Uh, and I'm quoting one example. Uh, uh, Gita, how would you deal with this? Of the last rights. Yeah, I'm a girl, so I don't have to worry about it in a new. You don't have to worry, but there could be many people. <laughs> so, I I know that because when my brother died. There were a lot of people who were very worried with the fact that I would kind of get sucked back into the religion of my family because of that. But it is a time of grief. And I mean, I wouldn't, uh, as a girl, I'm not that worried about uh, doing last night, but I think that I have to stand with my family during the time of grief. And here again, I have another incident that I want to share with you if you, if you give me permission. Please. My brother died when he was 34. His youngest child was only eight months old. And we had, it was, it was a very traumatic time for us, obviously, for everybody. We are three sisters and we have only one brother. And then when um, my husband, uh, my mother wanted to me to read the, there was Psalm 123 that my brother used to love. So my mother wanted someone to read that to her and I didn't have the Hindi Bible with me at that time because I was kind of, I had to run from Thailand to my home and I didn't have my clothes or anything, etc. So um, my brother, or, uh, my husband asked somebody to go and give the Hindi Bible to my home. This person came to my home and the first thing this person said is, I know that your son is in hell, but I hope I'm going to tell you how you can go to heaven. And then he said it two, three times and, and I told him, please stop it. 
so uh, then they said okay can we pray so and remember in in a hindu family you know all the elderly people are sitting on the floor and uh, you know so you are speaking this to everybody and they uh, they said can we pray and out of respect for me they said yes you can pray and the prayer he said the very same things and i said please go and my relatives still out of the graciousness of their heart stood up and folded their hands and said namaste and then after they left my father took out every bible every track in his house and ripped it apart and he said are you christians given a Can I come in on that, Satya? Uh, yes, Doctor. Uh, it's quite common, I think, that uh, believers in these kinds of situations they want to know. Tell me what are the words of the wedding service? What is the meaning of those Sanskrit shlokas? Tell me in the the funeral service what is the meaning of all of these words? Because we have to be very careful that we don't say some word. and and the answer usually is we don't even know the meaning of those words it's not about the meaning of the words so i agree that the 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 ritual itself has meaning and and communicates things but we need to listen carefully and understand carefully what are those meanings what is actually going on and it's always multiple you take even like the lord's supper in your congregation and you start asking in your own congregation what does this mean for you you're going to get all kinds of extra biblical even anti-biblical answers uh rituals carry multiple meanings the main meaning is 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 belonging and associating and uh that is the that is the great problem of staying out of a family wedding because i might have to do something idolatrous no one in the family is thinking at all about those kinds of things it's something we have imposed on ourselves then we impose on the hindu family then we do offensive things like geeta ji was just uh, illustrating we need to go to weddings we need to go to funerals there's no question about uh, avoiding those things that that is absurd from a biblical viewpoint where you're to honor your your parents how can you even think of shaming the family by avoiding or going and not participating and and th- those are those are not uh, uh religious events to use a term i like to avoid those are not places to ask those kinds of questions you don't ask theological questions at a funeral or at a wedding those are not theological events those are social events you go and you fully participate Uh, uh because you know you know also it, you you feel uncomfortable there's something going on where there's an idol involved but you know among the dozens of people participating there are people who are far more cynical than you are about those things they're participating because they recognize that this is not about theology this is not about spirituality this is about family this is about belonging this is about being part of the tradition and and you must be a part of those things you you cannot allow bad christian teaching to separate you from your family and we're hearing cases here again and it still goes on we have we have not learned when are the christians going to learn and it's getting more complicated all the time because you have a more and more anti-christian element coming in among hindus we have to break this we are wrong 
And uh, we have contributed so much to the problem and, and we need to be very patient with a long-term kind of solution. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Richard. Dr. Shantanu, I, my question is, can the rituals be discriminatory and oppressive at times? And if yes, how to deal with them? Yeah, they can be discriminatory yeah, for Christians. Uh, uh, you know, Geeta mentioned about uh, caste rights not being involving her because uh, she's a girl. Uh, there's a patriarchal thing in Hinduism, but there's a patriarchal uh, track in Christianity also. Uh, followers of Christ are not immune from uh, uh, patriarchy. So I don't want to go to the go into the controversial track of whether women can preach or not. But again, that is a part of the ritual thing. The church has decided. Certain churches have decided that men can preach. Certain churches have decided men cannot preach. Women cannot preach. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, depending on where you are, if you don't like to preach anyway, it doesn't really bother. Uh, uh, but if you want to preach, you have a gift for preaching and you find that your church's liturgy does not allow you to preach, then that is an issue. I remember reading in one uh, one article somewhere, uh, or uh, was it a podcast, uh, in some church which is uh, fussy about these rituals, that, uh, you know, in adult Sunday school, uh, the Sunday school teacher can teach up to the child's 18th birthday. After the 18th birthday, the child is deemed to be an adult, and then the Bible teaching kicks in that women cannot teach men. Women can teach young children in their formative years, teach Sunday school, teach them values, teach them about Muktinath, lead them by the hand and uh, by the finger, literally, to his doorstep. But on his 18th birthday, he is a man. And uh, then uh, that famous teaching of Paul about uh, women not teaching men. I allow no women to teach men. Kicks in. And uh, the church actually maintains an Excel sheet of who's hitting the 18th birthday men. Uh, so obviously, this is a very, very extreme example of oppression. But uh, obviously, rituals are oppressive. How we can get rid of it, I don't know. The church has dealt with all these issues for generations. It's not that easy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, people need to keep talking about it like we're doing now and what you, gradually voices will get amplified and change happens incrementally. Uh, I, re I recognize over my 30, 40 years as a follower of Christ, changes have happened in the church. It's not the church is static, but it has happened because people are talking about it, people are conversing about it, writing about it, and gradually one voice uh, like the COVID virus. Gita ji, uh, what's your last thought? Uh, last thoughts on on this these uh, this subject. If the people those who, who are listening or people will be listening later on this, uh, what would you say uh, to them uh, when it comes to following uh, Christ or the Muktinath and uh, uh, from their uh, their different background and dealing with their uh, legacy and heritage? Uh, My last comments um, regarding this would be that follow um, follow Christ, not a set of rules or a set of rituals. Um, and how how he lived his life. He, I mean, he had trouble with the Pharisees also. 
so uh, he he lived his life as the true person who understood the law as it should have been understood but i think we have made all these little little things around it and i believe that uh, it is uh, it is very important for us to i mean jesus went to uh, went to the temple it doesn't say that he didn't go to the temple but he also uh, on sundays uh, you know he healed he didn't say it's my day of rest so i won't heal so i believe that it is very important to say that i as a daughter need to be true to christ and true to my parents true to my family and um i would like to definitely um uh, uh answer the question that sajith has asked is the daughter being true to herself yes uh sajith i'm being true to myself and that is why i'm the person who listens to a different drummer and walks to a different tune altogether in the church um my final thoughts are that we all need to work to uh break down this this uh hindu christian opposing each other uh, as a, as a serious problem and what geeta ji just said about walking to a, a different drummer that is a tragedy that she has to walk to a different drummer in the church we as the followers of jesus should be playing a drum that she can come and march with us as part of her hindu family so so this is our problem that we we have to change this this whole way of competition and 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 fear towards hindu traditions and and wanting to manipulate someone from a hindu family into fully into our system our system is not the system of the bible and even the the marriage issue that you're you're just raising uh look carefully at what it says in genesis it doesn't say boy and girl both leave their families and become a new nuclear family that that is uh, absolutely not what it says it says the man should leave and and cleave to the the family of the woman which uh is the exact opposite of what mostly happens in india and and definitely the exact opposite of what happens in the western so-called christian world uh and and is was that established as as the the social pattern for the ages i think not uh the 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 uh, patriarchal uh pattern of india is not anti biblical it it has its own set of dangers no doubt about that but uh we we have lived comfortably in that I mean, i mean christianity in india is also patriarchal it's carrying over that that pattern from uh hindu society uh so uh so much of this comes down to how we read the bible and uh we tend to read the bible uh very much in a biased way that we've learned to read it and uh, we need to be be shaken out of some of those things and uh, and again the the great command of the bible is love 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 and that has to be the approach on everything in the family and and if if it if there's a possibility of a ritual compromise going up against love there's no question we ritually compromise why would we worry about ritual compromise compared to love 
when when the entire Bible beginning to end is about love and, and ritual compromise is very, very secondary. Do all these things, the tithing of the spices of the Pharisees, our, our Lord said, do those things. But remember the weightier matters of the law. What are the weightier matters of the law? Justice and mercy and love. Is that how we're recognized? Are, are the followers of Jesus recognized as, peop as people of mercy and grace and love? In too many cases, the answer is no. And that is our own massive uh, problem that we have to deal with. Thank you, uh, Dr. Richard. Uh, I know that this subject and the topic is such that we can continue to uh, for a few days. Uh, and I'm sure that it, it will need a few days uh, to do justice with the subject like this. But thank you all for bringing three of you a very distinct way to understand that rites and ritual, uh, whether accepting or rejecting, should not be a decided deciding factor in, in the accepting into the faith community of Yeshua. Their unique journeys need to be supported and not judgmental. You also, I think, clarified three of you that these rituals are also part of identity and belongingness uh, uh, to community and family. They can also be deeply cathartic and challenging based on our circumstances and experiences. This does not mean all the rituals always need to be affirmed. There are rituals created or oppressive and they certainly need to go. There are rituals that are beautiful and, uh, and bring families and communities together those can be embraced and practiced. And as you rightly said, the rituals uh, within the church, the, uh, uh, certain oppressive rituals need to go, some confusion need to go. Thank you so very much. The friends, thank you, Dr. Richard. Thank you, Dr. Shantanu and uh, Madam Nita for beginning your life and opening up before us. Uh, dealing with some of these very uh, difficult uh, anecdotes of your own life, the experiences, uh, it's a difficult, it's painful to recall some of those uh, events. But thank you so very much. Mm -hmm.